Hey everybody, we're so thankful to, to have you join us again. And we have a very dear friend of our house, James Aladarin. And we're so thankful for his voice, even his recent time with us back in June, just imparted and spoke such great truth into our body and provoked us all to a deeper level of prayer. And with everything that we're going after, we just thought it would be so good to have an additional conversation with him on the different lenses of prayer uh, biblically, how we can deepen our affection and go after that. And I just want to give a quick plug. This book, Life on Fire, is amazing. We'll make sure we have the link in the description below. This book has changed my life and it is such a great read. And you have to follow James on all social media, Prayer Storm. And then you can even go to prayerstorm.org to just find out all that they're doing. And uh, we, we really do feel so tethered and we feel partnered with what they're doing because it's just such in a vein of what we're after and they've taken way more steps forward and we just want to have a moment to glean from from you all but we're so thankful that you would join us today james oh thank you so much for having having me dominic it's it's great to be with you i'm sure i can't remember when i was with you recently i, I honestly it's been it's been a while right well it might not have been a while for you but so much has happened since then so my mind is like in a few places but it's been incredible the last few months for me it was a joy having you i think i was um i believe june was when so it's been oh, yeah, it's it been a hot June, yes it was summertime i remember it was hot yeah it was it was, it was June, very yes. it's very hot yes um and uh, that's so. And if you're not familiar with James, he's all the way from the UK. It's a pleasure, uh, even having this time together. We had to get the time zones together to even do do this yeah. um, today. I wanted to just kind of start right off the bat with the ministry that the Lord's called you into in the vein of prayer. What created the passion in you? What was the moment? What was the journey into creating that deep longing to go deep in prayer? Yeah, uh, it's a great question because oftentimes I reflect on how I've ended up here. And I, I did not really plan in my mind as a young person to kind of end up in ministry. Uh, not even, I, I didn't have in my heart to do anything related to prayer. You know, I hated public speaking anyway and anything like that. So for me, doing this, is, it's a miracle of how God can change uh, the heart. <laughs> uh, so my journey started with just being home and seeing my mom pray and uh it, it, doing that didn't even get me praying i just knew there was a conviction i felt when i saw her having a quiet time or spending time with the lord i walk into the room and i would just feel like i should be doing this and i often say sometimes uh, when you're starting out your walk with god even when you're a mature believer that's been, you know, seeking the Lord for several years. When you see another believer doing something you should be doing that you're not doing, the Holy Spirit convicts you oftentimes about doing it. And so you feel a conviction. Now, I didn't know it was conviction, but I just felt this sense of I should be also doing that or a desire not to just disturb her or anything like that. But those were seeds being sown in my heart. And um, as I grew, I started to uh, grow in my relationship with God. But one thing I realized was I was drawn to revival stories and moves of God, uh, the Great Awakenings in America, you know, Zuzu Street, Welsh Revival, Hebrides Revival, you know, different kind of moves of God. And as I read accounts of these moves of God, it was like I was marked with this holy dissatisfaction. And one thing that was so clear was the prayer and the intensity 
and uh, the devotion that a lot of the people that the Lord used had. So it was clear to me that I had to grow in my walk with God and I had to do that in the place of prayer. And so I started taking time out to fast, to pray, to seek God. Um, and in those days, I wasn't doing that for a ministry or for opportunities. It was just a case of, you know, I want to see a move of God. So I want to know God deeper. And the only way I know how to do that is let's fast, let's pray, because that's what I've read about. That's why I see in scripture. And so I started to emulate that lifestyle. And the more I did it, the more I was stirred, the more fire grew in me, the more I was drawn to people that had similar kind of hearts. And it's, it, it really is like the Lord just drew me into this lifestyle. And I ended up uh, graduating uh, from university in 2007, not really sure what to do next. So I took some time out to fast and pray. And it was my first 40-day fast because I'd heard Luengo call this fast that led to the call 7707, and, you know. So that season, I, I decided to go on this fast. And uh, in that season, God really just started to download things he was calling me to do. Now, at that time, I had no idea it would be prayer-focused. I just knew God was calling me to Joel 2.28, that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. And there was going to be an emphasis on the youth. So I just knew, well, the only way to respond to that is to give myself to prayer. And as it would turn out, I ended up in America at uh, The Ramp, a uh, ministry led by uh, a great woman of God, Karen Wheaton. And while I was there, uh, a spontaneous moment came where I was invited onto the platform and given the microphone. And what came out of me was Joel 2.28. And as that scripture came out of me, something fell from heaven and I felt it coming down. Never had that sort of experience since because as it fell on me, I fell on the floor, started weeping and crying out to God for revival in the UK. And the whole meeting erupted in this prayer uh, for revival in the, in the UK for like 30 minutes or so. Now, that video of me praying there ended up with a ministry in Manchester. They played it at one of their meetings. The same thing broke out in the meeting. People were weeping and praying and uh, someone in the meeting that I had not seen for many years uh, saw the video and sent me an email saying, James, I just saw this video of you. Now, this ministry is a, like a very well-established evangelistic organization in Manchester and well-known in the UK. And so this person, who was one of the leadership of that ministry, sent me an email, invited me down to the ministry. And the CEO of the ministry, a guy called Andy Hawthorne, he uh, had a meeting with me and said, James, we'd love you to be our prayer coordinator. So basically, on the back of that video, I go employed at this ministry to lead prayer. And that's how a lot of this started to snowball into what it is right now. So I started to lead prayer at that ministry and do stuff with evangelism connected to that ministry. And um, prayer storm started on the side as a way of me wanting to see more young people pray. Because as I started to get involved with prayer, I realized it was mostly women, no men, and no young people. So that passion stirred me to start to encourage my friends <laughs> to get together to pray. And that kind of, you know, snowballed into what I now do called Prayer Storm. Uh, that's in a summary the journey of how I ended up doing this. But it, I didn't plan to end up here. I just started pursuing God and wanting to see a move of His, a move of His Spirit. And prayer became that expression. And before I knew it, people were asking me to come and lead prayer in different places. So here we are. With that being said, I know this is a very simple question, but I think simple questions are so powerful, especially when we have the opportunity. How would you encourage a believer? 
to mature in their personal prayer life? Yeah, um, I know as believers, we hear all sort of messages and, you know, you might hear someone come and speak to you about human trafficking. And when they finish speaking, you're like, that's the most important thing. Or they might even say, this is the most important thing you need to you need to get into this right now. And someone else comes and speaks to you about, I don't know. <laughs> I can't think of another example, but something else that's important. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> and 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 they 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 say something about what they think is important and they're like this is the most important thing you need to get involved in like right now is the most significant thing on the heart of god and you know and there are all these kind of different things that can pull at our hearts you know however i'm going to say something similar but i am convinced it is the most important thing you can give yourself to and i think it is giving yourself to mature in the place of devotion and prayer and intercession in seeking god I don't, I don't see any other thing that's, uh, uh, what's the word, supersedes that in significance. When it comes to apostolic Christianity, even in the book of Acts, I believe the heaviest molecule in the apostolic Christianity in terms of, as we see in the book of Acts, is that bit of prayer and consecration and devotion to the Lord. That is okay. Things are built around that. Even the word comes out of prayer in that you look at some of the emphasis. Now, I know the word and the prayer go together, but I love the emphasis that the apostles had in Acts 6 when they said, we'll give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. I think prayer helps to bring revelation to the word and the word also informs prayer and they both connect. It's not like they should be disconnected uh, from each other, but I want to say prayer is the most significant thing you can give your heart to. Now, to the question, how can a believer mature in prayer? Once you start to realize is the most important thing you can give yourself to, then you need to start to um, put things in place in your life to help you to mature in it. Maturity uh, does not come by the um, occasional application of spectacular things. I believe maturity is realized in the consistent application of elementary things. So when we begin to be consistent in the basics, it's like going to the gym. The consistency causes us to build a level of stamina and growth. But many Christians are not consistent in the elementary things, yet they want the spectacular things or they're kind of distracted by the spectacular things while they don't have the foundations of elementary things. And so we have to start to build those elementary things. And they're very simple. And sometimes they may even seem boring, but they're necessary for capacity. They're necessary for history, longevity, authenticity. It's very, very uh, crucial. And so those basics... It's not news to anyone hearing this that's serious about God. It's spending time with the Lord, quality time with the Lord, and doing that on a regular basis. I believe it was Mike Bickle that once said, um, it's better to hit 80% of a target than 100% of zero target, in that many people have no target for their spiritual development. They have no target for their prayer life, and they just... They just think, oh, I'm going to pray, you know, I guess they wait for Christ. In fact, crisis tends to be what stirs people to pray intensely. And you see that people pray more intensely when there's crisis. And then when the crisis subsides, their level of intensity dips until the, le until the next crisis arises. And so I like to be a believer that, you know, that prays intensely without crisis because I think that positions you to be... Uh, to, to, that positions you to handle the crisis when it arises because you are not 
your, your life with God is not based on external things. It's coming from the inside out. So practical things that believers can do to mature in prayer is to schedule prayer on a daily basis. Make it a part of your daily routine in such a way that you don't have to make a decision to do it. Just like when you wake up in the morning, hopefully, you know, it's part of your routine to brush your teeth and, you know, and maybe have a shower. And, you know, that, that's like you don't have to make a decision. It's part of your routine. In the same way, having time with God on a regular basis is key. It should be just part of your routine. You don't have to make a decision to do it. It's what you do. And you create a rhythm of life around that. Now, that is basic, but then there are additional things you start to add to that to mature. Fasting, the, the, the prayer retreats, there are extended times of prayer. Because those devotional times are good, but to grow and to mature fast and to go deeper in God, you're going to still need to create some extra time to spend with Him, just like any other relationship or any relationship that means a lot to you. You know, if you want to grow deep in that relationship, if it means a lot to you, then you're going to invest a lot of time in it. And um, to wrap this up, I would say, you know, people use, uh, you might have heard this, Dominic, I don't know. People might say, you know, well, it's not about how much time we spend with Jesus, you know. It's about the quality, not the quantity. And, you know, I, I can see where people are coming for, from with those sort of ideologies. But if you apply that to everyday relationships, it doesn't work. Like, I mean, you can't say that to your wife. Hey, you know, babe, it's not about, you know, the quantity of time we spend. It's about the quality. And so we're going to spend this two, three minutes of power conversations and go as deep as we can. It doesn't really work that way because if you're going to go deep, you're going to have to create a lot of time to do that. And if you want to have quality relationship, you need to spend quality time. And the more of that quality you have, that quality is gonna is gonna move into quantity. You're gonna gonna you, you're gonna want to have more of the quality, and so um, the basics are spending time with the Lord on a regular basis, which looks like worship, prayer, fasting, and time in the Word, creating space for Him to speak and creating space to speak to Him. Thank you for that breakdown, and I love that analogy at the end. That's so good with just the marriage covenant and understanding how we approach prayer in that in that facet. Going right into the next vein, when we so in maturing in our personal prayer life, and then when it comes to intercession, intercession is I my heart has been more and more awakened to intercession when I continue to read the the biblical narrative from from all the way back when you know we see Abraham crying out for Solomon Gomorrah we see mm -hmm. uh, Moses crying out for the Israelites we see all the prophets crying out for the um Israel crying out for the people of God Jesus even weeping over Jerusalem praying in the garden of Gethsemane mm -hmm. Paul we mm -hmm. find this this mm -hmm. this powerful theme of intercession throughout entire mm -hmm. the entirety of the Bible how mm -hmm. how can what are some keys that we we could have to to gain greater confidence and assurance of how to st stand in the gap because intercession standing in the gap for a city for people like what what are i know you contend for that so greatly and i i really am thankful for that how could you speak into the vein of intercession I think it's impossible to really intercede, stand in the gap without the love of God. As in that, that's so critical. The foundation of seeing people the way God sees people, or asking the Lord to give you those eyes, because intercession comes from burden, and we cannot 
intercede effectively if we're not carrying a burden. And when you receive a burden from the Lord or the Lord starts to put on your heart what is on his heart, that burden causes you to be delivered from distractions. And it causes you to zone in on the emphasis of heaven in the moment. And so um, in intercession, we actually first need to connect with God's heart. It's not just releasing words. It's allowing God's heart to impact us. And there's a, there was a song that they used to sing years ago about break my heart for what breaks yours, you know. Um, and it really is that, you know, that, that, we begin to, yeah, that we begin to capture the heart of God. Then when we begin to capture the heart of God, the, the, the emotions, the, the, I guess the intensity of how God feels about that would naturally flow out of us when we begin to pray. Even when we begin to weep or when we begin to cry out, it's coming from a deep place. I often say that in prayer, it's more important to have a, a heart without words than to have words without a heart. Because prayer is not just about releasing words and being articulate and eloquent. Uh, David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable. So there is a sound that your heart is releasing and there is a sound that your mouth is releasing. And it's possible for there to be a discordant sound if what your mouth is speaking is different from where your heart is. So David is saying, let my words and my heart come into fusion alignment which means they will then be, there's more of a chance they will be acceptable in your sight because there's a oneness there. So I think the heart is where intercession begins. We begin to feel God's heart. In fact, if we're wanting to pray over a region, over a situation, a good place to start is asking the Lord to give us his heart for that situation. And there are times when you realize as you journey in prayer that really what intercession is, is hearing what God is wanting about a situation and then releasing it back to him. So in essence, you're just repeating back to God what you've picked up from what he wants to do. So it's like this interaction between heaven and earth. And I, I'm not against having prayer lists and having, you know, going through these things. But the more I journey in prayer, the more I realize, I think what's important is I need to find out what is on his heart. And that might take a while to connect and receive his burden uh, and that's where his prayer list is downloaded into my heart. So it's easy for me to now begin to pray from the place of faith because I'm praying what I know the Lord wants. I'm not just praying out of my ideas or out of my you know, imaginations. It's, it's what is coming from his word. It is Rhema is now word, what the Lord is saying and stirring. It's coming from that place. So there's often intensity. There's often passion. There's often faith you know, conviction. And I think it's one of the reasons why I find it easy to keep contending for things that I may not have even seen manifest naturally yet. But as I start to pray about it, the conviction is increasing more and more. And we might have been going on that line for years, contending for something for years, and we haven't seen the manifestation. In fact, there might be gaps where discouragements come in. But when in those moments I'm able to um, ascend the heel of the Lord and log into the archives, the mind of heaven, the mind of God. The moment I have that connect, the discouragement turns to courage. It turns to faith. The hopelessness is reversed. And there is an infusion of life that now comes in the 
prayer and in the intercession. So I would say um, in intercession, it's the, the starting point is allowing God's heart for a people, allowing God's heart for a situation, reading the word and seeing what God thinks about that, allowing that to impact your heart in a way where it's not just intellectual, where it translates from your head to your heart and then life begins to come from it. Um, it's a process, but I think it's something the Lord is calling every single believer into. Wow. And you touched on it right there. And I was actually, I wanted to ask it while you brought it up. What is a way to approach if you're leading a corporate prayer event? What is the the things that go in your heart when you're about to lead people into that environment? Oh gosh, that's a huge subject. You've opened up there. <laughs> Uh, and I'm and I'm really passionate about that as well because I don't hear lots of people talking about this, um, and so I can go off on different tangents. And l- let me start by saying, uh, the fact that a person is passionate about prayer does not make them a prayer leader. So, you could be a good singer in the shower when you're alone and singing to the Lord, and you know it's amazing worship time. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not necessarily going to give you a mic to lead the whole congregation in worship. <laughs> so the body of Christ needs to start to realize there is, a, there is a grace that we need more of in the body. And that grace is in leadership and it's in leading of corporate prayer. There is a grace for that. Um, and I think we need more of it. In the same way most churches would invest in hiring a worship leader and looking for, I think churches need to be thinking about prayer leaders too. Who are the ones in this church that are carrying that grace? Where when they grab the microphone and begin to pray, one of the ways you know there's something on them is when maybe more times than not, when they begin to pray, there is a stirring of prayer in the people. Just like when the worship leader begins to worship, if they're a worshiper to start with, as they do what they do, they stir the heart of worship in the people. And so this is something that the church needs to discover more of. And this is one of the things, again, I don't hear lots of people talking about this, but I am passionate about seeing prayer leaders rise. So if I'm about to lead a prayer meeting, there's several things that go through on my first. I need to be prepared. Spending time with the Lord, getting rid of distractions, getting rid of all the things, and, and, and trying to discern what the emphasis of the Lord for that meeting is. You cannot be an effective praying person without the gift of the word of knowledge. I will say that again, and I don't think I've ever said that before in that way. <laughs> you cannot be an effective prayer leader or even a, a personal prayer without the gift of the word of knowledge. And why did I say that? Well, it's based on Romans 8.26. We do not know, I believe it's 26, forgive me if I got the reference wrong. It says, we do not know, yeah, we do not know how to pray as we ought to, right? But the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit enables us to pray with groanings that are beyond what words can utter. So what he's telling us there is we do not know. So we lack knowledge. That's where I got that quote from. I just had that a few moments ago. In our desire to persecute prayer, we lack knowledge. We do not know how to do it. And even if we knew how, 
We don't know what measure, what intensity, how to posit. So we lack, we, we have so much lack in our ability to be priests that are releasing incense that is effective and shifting atmospheres and preparing the way of the Lord. See, part of our key service as believers is we are priests. So we're called to be a royal priesthood, you see. And if we're going to be priests, it means we're going to have to understand the act of sacrificing and, and, and the altar. I like to think of it this way. What a scientist is in the natural, right? How a scientist understands laws and understands chemicals and, I don't know, the you know the elements and all these things the period the periodic table and you know what a scientist is in the natural a priest is in the spirit so when we are a royal priest it means we are able to understand the the laws of the kingdom we're able to understand what is in the heart of god in any given situation by the holy spirit we understand how to posture ourselves because you Every situation is unique and you can't use the, the tactics that worked for a previous battle in another battle. It's like you have to reconnect with the Holy Ghost because the enemy is always upgrading his weapons. And some Christians as are the World War II versions of themselves in that they're using weapons from World War II in 21st century warfare. And so they haven't upgraded their weapons in the spirit. They're still acting the same. <laughs> because they have not really been logging in and connecting with the Lord. They have maybe got to a place where they knew lots of things and they got comfortable in what they knew, not realizing that the spirit realm, there's so much activity. Things are always moving. I'm not saying the principles of God change, but look at how David fought battles. There was always unique strategies for every single battle. It wasn't always the same. One time God would say, you have to listen to the sound of, you know, the thing in the trees. And one time God, you see, there were all, one time you had to pick up stones and that's what you used. And there were always unique ways. That's why it says, blessed be the Lord, my God, who trains my hand for war and my fingers for battle. So the starting point of leading is understanding that there is a lot of deficiencies that we have. I don't care how many years you've been leading prayer or how much of the word you've memorized. And now, Listen, you are deficient, period. Just, just accept it. <laughs> Go, Lord, <laughs> I'm insufficient. I don't know anything. You know, Jeremiah 33, I'm calling unto you. Show me. I, I'm, I'm lacking. Noise. So one of the most effective weapons you need, or I guess gifts of the Spirit, is the word of knowledge. And when I say the word of knowledge, not just knowing what's happening in people's lives, but by revelation, understanding what is currently going on in the heart of God. It, it's a form of knowledge. It's like the Holy Spirit brings to you a portion of what is on his heart, his emphasis in that moment. And so when you receive that, that, that is supernatural because you receive something that is on his heart for that moment. And because you receive that, you're, in your receiving it, there is grace in what you've received to prosecute and push in prayer for that specific thing. So the key part, well, there's lots we could say about this, but I think it's important that leaders learn how to take time to seek the Lord. Okay, Lord, what scriptures are your, what's your emphasis for this meeting? What is on your heart for this meeting? What do you, what direction do you want us to go in? And then don't be quick to just go from one point to one point. You know, take time. Let, let, what's that? I'm not, I don't surf and I don't understand anything about surfing, but 
the imagery that's coming to my mind is kind of, you know, surfers kind of waiting for the wave, riding the wave kind of thing. You know, it's like in, in those meetings, you have to kind of, your, your worship is key, but in the midst of that, you're listening, discerning, Lord, what is your emphasis? Where are you on? And when you catch the wave, you're going to know you've caught the You're going to know. No one has to tell you, oh, you're, you're riding away. You're just going to know. There's going to be a witness and there's going to be an ease to it. But oftentimes we struggle to get to that breakthrough where we're riding the wave. And because sometimes a lot of our prayer meetings don't get there, people think prayer is always boring because they've never hit that breakthrough point. But then there are different things that we need to understand about the resistance that we may be facing both internal or external that's stopping us from reaching that breakthrough point. So the more we battle, the more we seek God, the more we are in this environment, the more we are not surprised when we start a prayer meeting and it feels dry, it feels like nothing is happening. There could be several reasons why that's the case. But, you know, I, why would God, the creator of the universe, be boring? I, I don't believe God is boring. And if God is not boring, then I don't believe prayer should be boring either. So, so if, if it's boring, then we need to kind of just, okay, Lord, is there something I'm missing? Am I disconnected? Is it in my heart that's dull? Or, you know, what, what is really going on here? Now, having said that, I'm not trying to say every single prayer meeting I have is explosive and Holy Spirit shows up and Jesus walked in and Angel Michael comes and whatever. I, I, no, no, I, I, let's be honest here. That's not the case. There are times I have boring prayer meetings too. But I'm trying to say to you that there's a lot more going on in the spirit realm. And as we start to accept our insufficiency and begin to lean on the Holy Spirit, that's a place of humility that the Holy Spirit can work on and bring us more into the knowledge of the things we're lacking and he gives us inspiration he gives us ideas he stirs us to do certain things to read certain scriptures to sing certain songs that shift atmospheres and cause us to begin to ride the wave and when we begin to ride that wave intercession is so much more easier so much more fun you just want to stay there all day you could spend five hours and look at the time in fact you could spend five hours in those places and you think you've spent an hour you know things you know yeah there's just so much in that place now as you can tell i can keep going on and on but i'm gonna stop <laughs> Because there's, you know, I'm sure there's other comments you have and questions as well. So that's so much context. And I know personally, our body appreciates that answer so much. I can, I can so hear your heart when you said, when you know you hit the wave, it is like there is such a grace in the room to contend and tears, tears fall without, without any type of trying to force an image tears fall mm -hmm. and hearts rejoice it is just it, it is such a, a precious place to be and uh, even last mm -hmm. night in a prayer room we were uh, praying zechariah and just in chapter 12 i believe where it says that god's pouring out will pour out a spirit of grace and supplication on the people so that they mm. would look upon the one that they've pierced and they would begin to mourn and it reminded me we've been going through the beatitudes as a body and when you said Mm -hmm. us realizing our place of knowing how to pray or where to start. Well, Jesus starts his first sermon out by saying, blessed are the mm -hmm. poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And just mm -hmm. understanding our complete need of him in every arena. And then right after that, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. So once we realize our need for him, he takes us to a place of being able to weep and mm -hmm. cry out for our our, mm. our brothers and sisters that don't know him cry out for the city. And then That's it so takes good. us all the way through that journey. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And now he's 
filling mm, us, mm, filling mm. us, teaching us mercy. And I'm just, uh, mm. and then you get to blessed are the pure in heart for they'll see God. So it's this journey mm. of, but it all starts with understanding our need for him that takes us on that journey yeah. in prayer. And I love how you, you were sharing that. It just really blessed my heart so much. So. Mm.